Intersection is brought to you by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Learn more at touchpoint.health. Brave. In the early morning light, she stood trembling at the bus stop with her three small children, the oldest in charge of the suitcase. She is brave, I thought. I decided that bravery isn't an adrenaline rush, but often occurs in the secret, in the quiet hours of the morning, when you choose today will be different. In a strange way, love found me there. I recalled my mother's quiet bravery in the middle of the night when she said, no more violence, no more control, no more fear. We secretly ran under the moonlit sky of night, through tall grass and miles of lonely road, But fear chased us down like a blue, screaming pickup truck, refusing to let us go. That night, I learned to fight. Not with fists or loud words, but with hope nestled in my guts. Hope said, you are not made for this. You were not born to be victim. You were born to rise. Those words I carried with me. They became my strength. When fear stormed in to abduct me, intimidate me, imprison me in shame, I fought back with hope. And I nursed the bravery within me. For bravery doesn't win the battle, but it whispers, keep going. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. Tell me about writing that story, that poem. Um, I was, about a year ago, I was driving to work. It was early morning, and I passed a bus stop, um, and I saw a a young woman with three small children, and the oldest, which was looked to be maybe four or five, she had a suitcase that was big enough to hold all of their clothing in, and... um, it just triggered a memory in me from when I was a child. And I, so my imagination thought she must be running away. And um, because that was my experience as a child, running away. What were you running away from? Uh, My stepfather was abusive um, to my mother. And there was a lot of violence in the home. And, um, my mom, I think she got to a point where she realized she shouldn't raise her, her children there. And um, in the middle of the night, we took off. We snuck out, and it was a, on top of a mountain in a rural, rural area. And um, we had to walk probably two miles to the next house to call a cab to get to town. Why do you think she made that decision? What was the moment that she re- what, that you think she realized it was time to go? Um, I don't know. I I know he had been on a binge of some sort. He, he was on he was prescription addict and an alcoholic. Um, and I don't have a clear memory of what that moment was but I know that she probably realized I think I love my children more than I can stand being here 
How older were you? I was 10. As a 10-year-old, describe <laughs> that night. She woke us up. Um, I guess he had. she waited till he had passed out. Um, we threw some things together, and really the biggest part, the, the most I can remember is in the middle of the night walking on a country road and fearful that he might wake up and come after us. Um, we went to the neighbor's house and called a cab and, and I think all I can remember is being fearful that he would find out and we didn't know what it would, what would happen if he did. Um, and so we got a cab and our, my, my fear was realized he did wake up and he tried to run our cab off the side of the mountain on our way to escape. Where did your fear come from? Was it from that night because you knew that you had to leave? Or was experiences in your young life before that moment that created fear that now you knew that there was something he could do? Um, yeah, we had, we had been there several years. We had lived with him. And I was terrified of him. I don't remember him being nice. Um, he was a very angry, verbally abusive to my brother and I, and physically abusive to my mom, and verbally. Um, and I just, I felt like I had to walk on eggshells all the time as a child. Um, I stayed in my room a lot. My brother and I shared a room upstairs, and. That was our safe place, was our bedroom, and um, or out on the field. They had he had chickens and cows, and if we could run past his presence to get outside to play, we there was a safe place. But any time we had to be in the house with him, it was very um, tense and intimidating. So talk about that night some more. You got the the taxi to come up and get you. Mm-hmm. What you said that he found you. What happened? How did you know that he had found you? Um, he, I guess he assumed that's what happened. I don't. I don't know how. Um, all I remember is his truck chasing our taxi down a curvy road and our taxi driver was (laughs) scared as well um and frankly i don't remember i remember getting to my grandmother's house but i don't remember the whole ride i think i probably blocked it out because i was so scared i thought i thought we were going to die that night when you got to your grandmother's house do you remember anything there i didn't want to be there either (laughs) um he he was not there, so he must have given up uh, his pursuit of us. I don't know why, but um, I felt sort of relieved. Um, 
but at the same time, I still didn't feel safe. When did you start feeling safe in your life? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably, a few, it was a few years into my marriage, probably, till I felt really safe. Um, Describe safe. I feel as like home, I guess. Safe is a weird because home wasn't safe, but but safe should feel like home. Um, a place you can relax and um, not feel like uh, every decision you make is going to come back at you in a negative way. Um, safe is being free to make decisions and being okay with those decisions, whether they are successful or they fail. Um, and really, I've not even come to that place until the rec you know, recently, just a few years ago. Teresa Bauer is more than a survivor. She is a friend and one that makes me coffee almost every morning at Fig's Coffee and Creamery, downtown Anderson, South Carolina. Her story is one that was hiding behind her facade, one that was ever-present in her life, yet tucked away behind that smiling face. We all have stories to tell, and many times it takes years to tell our own story. But Teresa found the courage one Friday morning as I sat and drank my coffee upon the bar stool in Figs. For years, I've been documenting the stories of domestic violence victims and survivors, so many stories that have been recorded and shared, built on trust, and perseverance. This is the first time I've interviewed a survivor of domestic violence who was the child of a mom who experienced the abuse. Her story showcases the years and years of trauma a child can endure from witnessing someone they love receiving the abuse. She shares her story, her path, and the passage to revealing this delicate story. We hope you're patient during this interview. It was a tough one for Teresa. This is the first time she is publicly sharing her story. Introduce yourself. My name is Teresa Bauer. <laughs> and, um... There are so many pauses and spaces for thinking and sharing in this episode. So we hope you grab a cup of coffee and truly listen and hear Teresa's story. You have kids? I do. <laughs> I have three kids. Um, my daughter just got married. Um, You're a poet? I'm a poet, a writer. And how did we meet? We met at Fig's Cafe. Um, I serve coffee to you a few times a week. And we chit chat. About life? Yeah. What is it like raising children and watching your your daughter get married, but knowing that you grew up in this very unsafe space. Hmm. Well, thankfully I married a, a very kind man who wasn't anything like what I experienced. Um, and I've done everything I can to 
course, I'm human, so I'm flawed, but done everything I, I know I can do to make my children feel loved and safe. Um, my daughter, who found her her husband, um, I think part of that healed me because she found somebody that's good and safe. And... Um, and knowing that she didn't have to experience that um, home life. <laughs> Take us back to the moment that you saw a year ago. Mm-hmm. What did you see again? Describe that moment, riding down the road. Riding down the road when I saw the, the woman with the children. Yes. Describe um, it. And I'm driving and I... I just see them there and it was like a story began in my head and that and then just I saw my brother and I you know I saw us so you saw the woman as a mother mm -hmm. did you see the woman as yourself or did you see yourself as the girl the child I saw myself as the girl what was that like that moment that you rode by and that image popped in your head yeah, I was the girl with the suitcase. It was surreal because I thought, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> um, did you have that memory recently? Or was it that visual that just popped in your head and took you back in time? I've always rem- I've always had that memory, but it was kind of, it was just stuffed. Um, you know, I guess it was just a fact of my life, just kind of a backdrop um, image so I never really didn't I never really forgot it but it kind of brought up the feeling part of it like there was the head remembrance but then there was the the gut remembrance or the heart remembrance of it and um, just like I think I realized I had denied what it felt like. I got, I pushed because I wanted to be strong for my mom as a young girl. I wanted to protect her. There was that protector inside of me. So I, I didn't want to be scared and I didn't want to show fear. And I didn't want to have certain feelings because I wanted to be strong. Um, but when I saw the woman on the side of the road, it kind of brought the, the reality of what it what I really felt. And so when I started writing um, the poem a year ago, I got to a certain point and I put it down because I didn't want to feel it. But let's go to the moment that you saw her Mm -hmm. in the car going by and you made the decision to write it. Why? Is it to just to put it on paper to make ourselves feel good? Mm-hmm. Or did you really, were you hoping to share that story with other people? Or did you have an intention by writing it? Um, I don't think I consciously thought about it. I mean, I hope that everything I write helps, does something for somebody else. I mean, I hope that, because it's really not worth anything if it doesn't, touch somebody to, you know that's what I love I love to um, 
talk to people and help people. And um, I think it was it was more this is this is in me and I have to get it out. This is, um, and I want to I wanted to point out that it ta- that it something you know we just we just don't know there's so much quiet bravery there's so much quiet heroism and i think we glorify the big major things yet we we miss the small things like somebody who and it's it's big in her life but somebody who simply makes that decision to leave or makes the decision to um, to make a difference in their life or because what I see around me all the time is um, people who feel stuck in their lives and they just let autopilot take over and they don't they succumb to circumstances or they succumb to what they grew up in or experienced um and I think part of part of what I wanted to portray and what I felt in my spirit years ago was you will not be the victim here. You know, you will not repeat this. You will not um, be, this isn't going to be who you are. You know, we've had long conversations about writing. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, you know, how do we find our voices when we sit down and we, their pen is heavy and it's ready to go, but it's having a hard time putting the ink on the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you have worked through those challenges of at times having this manic ability to write, mm-hmm. but then this ability to overcome the, the pen is dry. Talk about what made the pen write this time. <laughs> Because it was, it you, you wrote it a year ago, right? and you put it down for a year. What made you pick it back up? Uh, I have been so emotionally, <laughs> woo, just, I've been dealing with a lot of emotions lately, and I think. Like um, what? Like, well, my daughter got married. Yeah. so, um, the her leaving and um, my son left a a few months before that. Um, And so uh, I'm not consumed anymore with making sure they're taken care of. There's more room and more um, open space to think about myself. Um, There were circumstances the whole wedding week where I had to face certain things about how I was feeling about things and and it just it just exploded and I found healing in letting myself feel it like whether it was from this poem or something else I you know we I think we as humans tend to avoid really feeling how we feel we we mask everything. We're so medicated and so distracted, and and I I'm guilty of that, and that's why I have had such a hard time. 
writing is I, I don't want to sit down and feel it again. And when I wrote this, I sat down and I, I gave myself permission to feel it so I could work through it. And um, I found a lot of healing in it. I, I think about you because every day I'd walk in and get a cup of coffee. And I never knew you had this story. Mm-hmm. But what made the moment that you finally just, okay, I'm going to start sharing this story? <laughs> it was, it was uh, haunting me. Um, not in a like... Um, I guess I'm at a point where I just want to be real. I just want to be... Um, just want to be real and I know that I have something for someone else you know um, just like other people have shared stories that have benefited me Um, I guess I'm in a cleaning out process there's a lot of you're doing some purging (laughs) you come Marion into the inside (laughs) so um, yeah I think I'm just, I've seen, you know, I've, I've looked at it and I've, um, sat on it and, you know, wrote a, I've been writing about lots of things for a very long time, but when you, when you let somebody else read it, it's kind of like letting them see inside your soul and it's scary. Um, but What's so scary about seeing something like that inside you? Is it? Um, It's a vulnerability. Yeah. And remember I said I was strong and I had to protect and I had to fend for myself. And you can't be vulnerable and do that. So. Can um, you? Vulnerability is strength, actually. Hmm. You know, you have met so many powerful survivors of domestic violence, um, and they talk about, you know, their desire to cross over and find the strength to not only get out, but find the strength to live afterwards. Mm -hmm. Where do you search for strength now? Mm. Well, first and foremost... Um, to my relationship with Jesus. He's my strength. But he comes through the people in my life. Um, the people that I choose to surround myself with. That's where my strength comes from. Um, and they tell me all the time that, well, you're a strong person, you know. <laughs> um but it's the people that surround me and support me. And, and I know that there's that part of me and it's just the spirit in me that God created me with that I'm just, I have to say I'm strong that way, I guess. Well, and I think about you that here's someone that could probably, who has kids and husband and, Probably could have worked anywhere else, but he, but she chose to work at a coffee shop. 
Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of downtown Anderson, South Carolina, <clears throat> that has a lot of people coming in and out of it. Yeah. That requires engagement and conversation. Mm-hmm. You, to me, seem like someone that feeds off that energy. I do. I very much do. In fact, I, I joke and I say this, you know, I say this is my dream job to work in a coffee shop. And um, it's not glamorous at all. But I do meet a lot of good people. And I, um, I hear a lot of good stories, sad stories, hard stories, but good stories. And I'm a story person as well. Um, I learn a lot just by listening and appreciating everybody, the differences and you know, and you see the struggles and you see, I see a lot of myself and other people. And um, I really just enjoy doing, in fact, I, um, you know, we started a church downtown or we were part of a group starting a church downtown and that's where we wanted to be is downtown. It's where I want to be. That's where like the epicenter of, you know, a whole bunch of different type of people are you've got homeless you've got business people you've got professionals artists you know people that are just passing through a lot of -of out-of-towners i mean it's like the best place to be you want to read the poem one more time (laughs) okay brave In the early morning light, she stood trembling at the bus stop with her three small children, the oldest in charge of the suitcase. She's brave, I thought. I decided that bravery isn't an adrenaline rush, but often occurs in secret in the quiet hours of the morning. When you choose, today will be different. In a strange way, love found me there. I recalled my mother's quiet bravery in the middle of the night when she said, no more violence. No more control, no more fear. We secretly ran under the moonlit sky of night through tall grass and miles of lonely road, but fear chased us down like a, like a blue, screaming pickup truck, refusing to let us go. That night I learned to fight, not with fists or loud words, but with hope nestled in my guts. Hope said, you are not made for this. You are not born to be victim, you are born to rise. Those words I carried with me, they became my strength. When fear stormed in to abduct me, intimidate me, imprison me in shame, I fought back with hope. And I nursed the bravery within me, for bravery doesn't win the battle, but it whispers, keep going. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.